Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Erin McCoy, here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakway. This is West Virginia Beer Roads' first interview with a brewer in Morgantown. You may know that Morgantown is the birthplace of modern craft beer in West Virginia. It was way back in 1992 when the One Onion Brew Pub opened up on University Avenue there. We've certainly come a long way since then. Aaron, I think you've had the pleasure of checking out Morgantown's current crop of brewery tap rooms, haven't you? I have, and it was wonderful. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, so let me move quickly and just introduce today's guest. Bill Ridenauer is the owner and head brewer at Chestnut Brew Works in Morgantown. He founded this brewery in 2013, and it quickly became one of the state's most loved and highest rated breweries. Bill, welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads. Oh, thanks for having me. Really yeah. appreciate it. So how are you guys uh, hanging in there in the midst of this COVID-19 emergency? You doing okay? Uh, yeah, it was definitely a shock to the system, uh, for sure. Um, uh, we, I mean, we just had to change pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Everything had to change um, for us, and we were blessed enough to have recently um, invested in a, just a small little uh, can filler. Uh, and then we already had the hand seamer. So we've just been, I mean, that's that's pretty much how we've handled this is just canning as much as we can when we can. So how are your employees, <laughs> how are your employees holding on and hanging out? They're, they're, they're doing well. I mean, we're, um, you know, we're, we're blessed in that I haven't had to uh, let anyone go. Um, Actually, the response from the community has been like it's been really wonderful. Um, it's it's definitely changed. I, I, I don't know. I find it very refreshing. Um, like the support sh- uh, shown to our bartenders, um, uh, you know, and, and with tips and and um, just everyone, you know, yeah. it's has been very supportive. How many people do you have working there now? I have uh, well, it's me and then two other people in the back, and then I have one bartender. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then I bartend sometimes. Yep. Yeah, it's good that uh, you've been able to maintain all of your employees through this. That's great to hear. Yes, it is. It's a blessing. So, Aaron, go ahead. Um, Yeah, Bill, you were talking about, uh, you mentioned a little bit anyway about regarding canning. So, I'm assuming with the recent law changes, you're probably doing some beer delivery. And that's certainly a hot topic with breweries right now. Um, I want to know how you're handling that as a brewery. Um, Well, handling it the best i can um it it has definitely been a huge it was just a huge shift um in what we used to do i mean you know i could take some of the old some of the i mean we self-distribute our beers too so um you know we're used to dealing with you know restaurants and delivering kegs so i you know could take some of that skill um but into just for home delivery it's it's a whole different ball game um so i've i'm blessed enough that I've really only made a couple of mistakes here and there um, <laughs> and, as with all the things that we had to, uh, to manage, sure. um, you know, the different products and making sure that people get what they need. But um, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of fun like that because it's this, this unchartered, like no one knows how to do it sort of thing. So everyone's <laughs> trying to figure it out. Um, so it's kind of fun for me to be able to figure it out, but uh, it's also, it's uh, it's hectic. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, obviously it's new for everyone, but mm-hmm. you know, it's good to hear that you're working through it. Um, does it make selling beer 
ex- very expensive for you or how, how do you make money on it? Um, I'm not sure it makes it very, uh, like a whole lot more that expensive for me. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the, the breweries that are uh, fortunate enough to be in a, a pretty densely populated area. Um, so, you know, it, it's uh, within a small radius. Um, you know, we set the tent, we set our delivery radius at 10 miles. Okay. I had it set at 15, but after our first delivery day, I realized that I just couldn't do it. Um, and that was mostly, I, I mostly wanted to do that because I used to live in the outskirts of town and I was like, man, you know, <laughs> I would have liked to get in a beer delivery, you know? Well, um, sure. Uh, yeah. But it, I didn't know the response was going to be the way it was. And, and uh, we, it just took us, it took away time for, you know, places that were closer. But um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely exciting and, and wild. Yeah, so Bill, what I'm hearing in the craft beer market today and reading too is uh, everything seems to tell me that if you're not packaging beer in uh, cans and bottles or cans or bottles, I guess, that you're hurting today because draft sales are dead everywhere. Has that uh, been your experience? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, like I said, I, I, I just, um, I realized that there, there was a lot of things that happened prior to when COVID hit that, um, you know, I, I just am a very blessed individual. We were able to um, adapt as quickly as we did um, with the canning and, uh, you know, just having so many great employees that were just willing to support us. Um, but canning was definitely a big part of that. I, keg sales were a huge part of our, uh, you know, I mean, most of our revenue were keg sales. And like I said, we self-distributed it, uh, self-distributed. Um, you know, we have, I said, we're in a densely populated area, uh, lots of bars. Um, so we were really fortunate and all that, but yeah, once this hit, I mean, we, I mean, we have had some cake sales, uh, you know, places filling growlers and stuff, but it's absolutely nothing like it was. What would you say, uh, estimate that you, how much you've declined in the past month? Has it been like, you know, 80, 90% down? Oh, um, for as drafts, far as like draft if, sales, if, yeah. where, if, if you consider my average keg sales uh, being 100 percent like yeah. per month, I would say uh, uh, it, it dropped down to five percent. Like I'd say we're, we're probably selling about five percent of what we did. Well, that brings up a good uh, question then. You know, you're if you're shifting over to cans, uh, which you, you are obviously, and that's what you can sell right now. I mean what problems does that present you or what challenges to up your canning volume as much as you'd like to? Um, what the challenges are, well, our challenges right now, uh, is just that we have a very inefficient system. Uh, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. work very well. I mean, it works well, but it just, it's not, uh, highly, it's not very productive. Right. It's not an automated. We can do, we can do about like, if we're going at it, we can probably get about 35 cases done and that's 16 ounce cans. Um, so, you know, the other big obstacle is, okay, well, okay. So we need a canning line. Well, for us, it's, it's space and it's money. I mean, they're expensive. They're very, very expensive. So, um, you know, we're looking into it, uh, you know, I, I, I had been kind of toying around with the idea before. Uh, so we're looking into it now and, and taking some steps and we might have, we might up our canning game a little bit. 
Um, one of the key market trends nationally in craft beer sales today is the decline of flagships and the surging of one-offs and small batch specialty beers. And past years, you've been one of the more dependent uh, breweries on your primary flagship, probably more so than other West Virginia breweries. How do you think that's changing today for Chestnut Brew Works, or is it changing? Um, uh, I haven't seen it changing. I mean, I've seen it changing a little bit, but I'd still say, you know, how it's still a number one seller. Um, yeah, I, I, I see it. Well, I'll tell you how I see it changing, I guess. Uh, we, we were fortunate enough. We just got some seven barrel fermenters in, uh, which are half the size of our fermenters now. So every time we brew a beer now, we have to brew 14 barrels of it. Um, that's two batches when, you know, we have to cook basically two batches to fill up a fermenter uh we cannot ferment only seven barrels in one of the 14 barrel fermenters because the uh the thermo well doesn't reach it it just it wouldn't work so having these seven barrel fermenters what we're excited about is that we will be able to do um you know some more seasonals and stuff because you're right that is where the trend is going people um are very excited about what's new and uh, right. and we're and be you know quite honest we're excited to get them things you know stuff that's new um, you know, sometimes it's funny. We, we talk about the guys in the back and you know, sometimes we grumble, you know, halic, 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 halic. And, um, <laughs> but one of the guys said earlier, um, he said, uh, he's like, you know, Halleck's saving our ass right now. And we all kind of <laughs> chuckled and we're like, yeah, yeah, it is like the fact that we're able to can it and we have the labels and stuff. Well, um, right. You're able so, to get it out. Yeah. Well, what about uh, new beers? Anything brand new, some, maybe some uh, small batches that you've not brewed before that you're looking forward to? Um, yeah, well, we're excited to do some more sours and um, and really just everything. Like, I have so many ideas, um, sours and barley wines, because we do have, like, a pretty solid uh, bottler that is not – I mean, it's not, like, really, really efficient, but, it, you know, it can – do a pretty good dent in bottles so like doing like a barley wine and then releasing it around like the holidays or something you know finely aged and uh really just yeah just things that i'm you know we're hesitant to make 14 barrels of but like oh yeah we could definitely you know we could definitely get through seven barrels easy you know um so those are two off the top of my head but we had discussed others but yeah those are two that you know sometime now uh bill Chestnut Brew Works has been approaching its brewing capacity with the current equipment, and now you've added some additional tanks. You were just talking about those uh, seven-barrel tanks. Uh, any other plans for expansion, or does this now put you in a, in a pretty good position? Um, yeah, man, I don't know about expansion. Is um, I mean, I kind of see this as a, as a different kind of expansion. Um, you know, just with an, a changing, adapting market, uh, and beer delivery, I don't know. I mean, I'm just gonna, I'll ride this wave because I don't know. I mean, any plan on expanding that, you know, that I had before, of course, you know, incorporated keg sales. Right. Right. Uh, you know, and so I, I can't imagine having a, you know, a 30 barrel brew house right now. And, um, unless you have a really good canning machine, you know what I mean? Or canning line. So, yeah, I was just uh, writing an article yesterday, I guess it was, on a brewery up in Pittsburgh, Full Pint, that the brewer who had worked at West Virginia Brewing back in the early 2000s. Was, yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, one of the things he was saying was the trend has just gone against them. He has a 15-barrel brew house and 30-barrel tanks. And he says that what now everybody wants is the three-barrel brew house. Yeah. (laughs) In small batches. And anyway, it's interesting that that these trends do change and they they don't all, it doesn't always take that long, does it? No. Yeah. No. So, yeah, I guess as far as, for, for and I was really sad to hear that full pint closed, right? I heard is that true? Yeah, I mean uh, they're yeah. they're still just selling off their inventory, but right unless they okay. get a buyer or whatever, they're they're closed. Yeah, yeah. that's I was sorry to hear that because I um, even before I started Chestnut Brewers, I had some of the, I think it was, uh, the Chinooky or something. Yeah, that uh, was their yeah. flagship or their main. Yeah. Uh, IPA. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what do you what would you say your annual capacity is up to now if you did? be able to brew full time of it and need the beer i mean how much could you brew now put out well oh not not counting the seven barrels now because i i we didn't you know we haven't started they're not even really plumbed in yet or anything so um but we it was about like if we were if a theoretical figure would be 1200 barrels a year Mm -hmm. like that's if if everything worked perfectly and we were selling everything we need to sell and blah 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 but um we have found that we, we usually hit about 850 to 920 a year. Um, I, I don't know how much that'll change with the adapting market, uh, switching over to cans, um, at least for the time being. You know, you know, I, I don't want to be Mr. Doom here. Like, you know, there, there's going to be a time when the restaurants are going to, you know, back up and everyone will feel safe. I, I mean, I personally just feel that, the, and I know we're going to talk about this later, but the, the effects of this are going to be, uh, I think, a while. So just adapting to this, this new market that, you know, we don't know how long is going to last. Um, I mean, that's, that's my expansion plan, right? That's my, is, uh, it's, it's just my expansion plan turned into an adaptation plan. Good. good. Well, Bill, how do you see the local brewing industry changing from the impact of the quarantines and the social distancing and all of the crazy that's happening? Do you think it's going to get back to like it was, or do you think things are going to be forever changed? That's a really good question, and I, I just i I think it really just depends on on the brewery and um, really like where they're at, uh, you know, the size of the brewery, where, where they're at geographically, um, uh, you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of nest egg do they have to to, right. to ride this out? You know what? Uh, so I, I guess it all really depends. I I think I mean there's there really needs to be. For, for any brewery to survive, they're going to have to, in my opinion, um, would have to really put forth a, a bigger effort into packaging. Right. Um, whether it be bottles or cans or crowd, even like crowlers. Um, I think, you know, um, I, I think that that needs to be addressed in, in, in some fashion. Sure, that's the direction it seems to be going. And yeah. so then in your opinion, you think that it, it's probably going to remain that way, at least for the interim. Well, yeah. I mean, because who knows? I, I can't – I know there's lots of theories out there about how, how this thing's going to play out. I'm not um, – you know, I mean, I, I have a science background. I have my own personal opinions, um, but I don't I don't really know. And so I, I better – you know, I'm just trying to prepare. Right. Well, of course. You know, yeah. it doesn't seem that long ago, really, that I remember meeting you and you were brewing in your garage up there off Halleck Road. 
Um, yeah. yeah, Morgantown uh, Brewing and well, brewing in West Virginia has come a long way since then, and uh, just yeah. a few short years. That Morgantown uh, market is uh, s- still one of the strongest, if not probably the strongest in the state. Is, is that what you're feeling about that? Your local market? Oh yeah, I and I think yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I forget the number. I thought I remember hearing or reading somewhere that Charleston um, was a little higher than us, but I, I know we're definitely. Yeah, we're top. Yeah, we're 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 a big market in West Virginia. As far as West Virginia goes, we're definitely one of the biggest, if not the biggest. Yeah, and it's in a compact footprint too, which really allows a brewery like you to self-distribute and stay pretty much in your own county without having to look statewide to sell your product. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. But as this industry grows, I mean, I think we've we've got opportunities across the state to grow and. But I think one of the things that I keep hearing and, and from beer consumers as, as well as from brewers is that, uh, you know, there's other there's ways that we could be more efficient. There's ways that that things could change for the better. And I think especially around some state regulations and and uh, on the brewing industry. Do you have any thoughts on things that might help you guys be more efficient, and make more money? If there's one thing we could change that could just really help us out, especially now. Um, right. Because we talked about we talked about earlier in the interview, we talked about how the trend is going toward different new beers. Right. Right. Yeah. So a quick, efficient label approval process, especially now when every, when so many people are going to have to package their their uh, products would be super helpful, I believe. I mean, I know but, and I, I don't want to speak for all the other West Virginia brewers, but for me personally and, and adapting to this and. Um, uh, you know, trying, you know, doing seven barrels and then wanting to can it. I got a, la- I actually, one of the other investments I made was a label printer because I know that like, you know, we're going to have to be adaptable and maybe only have to print 300, 400 labels. And I didn't want to pay what I'd have to pay to, you know, so, right. you know, the, the, uh, ability to quickly, uh, be able to get a uh, label approved would be, uh, really helpful. Yeah, I don't think you're alone on that. I've I've been hearing that yeah, from from uh, all the other people we're we've we've been talking to recently, and yeah. um, just seems like uh, and, the state could put a lot of that online and and like you say, simplify it, take any fees away from it, just encourage uh, the production of different beers to to support the market demand. I, I do just want to point out, like we're I'm very thankful. A lot of the brewers are very thankful and appreciative of the ABCA. Uh, for coming to the table and talking about the delivery thing um, because that, I mean, for us, it's, it's really helped and I, I'm not sure what other breweries are doing it. I know a couple other bar owners are doing it. And um, I, I, the only other thing I was going to say is like, not only does it help us brewers, but you can tell, like I've done a bunch of these deliveries. I was just doing deliveries earlier today. These people are very appreciative of oh, sure. not having to leave the house and, you know, um, I've had several show me their ID through the doors and told me to, you know, leave the beers on the porch, which was totally fine. Um, you know, we're wearing a mask and gloves when we deliver. Um, so I, I just, I think there were so many people that won in, mm-hmm. um, in, you know, in us having that conversation and with the ABCA cooperating and, and, and being helpful. And, uh, so I just wanted to put that out there. Right. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to sit here and complain about, you know, late the label process without, you know, giving due respect to, to them. Uh, for that 
Yeah, and I think that uh, certainly that effort to get the delivery approved was first led by the on-premise restaurants and bars because they are already you know delivering food and they couldn't right. deliver their beer or wine with it, even though they yeah. could still sell their beer or wine for takeout. So yeah, I think, right. and then the, by the breweries though, certainly tagged onto that effort in, and, and I know you guys and the, the Brewers Guild um, got a, got together and worked on this. And uh, I, you're right that uh, the governor and and the uh, WVABCA, uh, that's nice that they all heard that message and, and, and that they responded favorably. Yeah. I'm glad they did. I hope it continues after, you know, once we're, we're through the other side, you know, uh, so to speak. Well, that's I what everyone's that. asking me. And I think if the understanding is that it's temporary, right? But everyone yeah. Well, yeah, basically, that. yes. Right. And, you know, yeah. I hope that it isn't. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, is we'll tied, it is tied to the uh, emergency order. So when the state of emergency leaves, I, mean, I, I think technically that would go away. So there would have to be other... Uh, processes like other rule processes or the legislature changing laws or something, you know, would have to happen. But I right, think to this, get back to the emergency order. Yeah, if it works well during this trial period, uh, that's certainly a, a a lot of momentum. It would have to be for changing it and making it permanent. Uh, let's hope. Absolutely. Yeah, agreed. All right, I think that brings us to the end of a. Uh, uh, this interview bill thank you so much for uh joining us today yeah yes it's been great talking with you and uh we definitely wish you the best of the luck in the future all right thanks thank you this brings us to the close of another podcast remember you can subscribe on apple spotify or your favorite podcast host thank you for listening to west virginia beer roads west virginia beer roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.